Hello and welcome to the Pep Talk Podcast. Uh, this is Sam and Jason, and we're here to recap everything Manchester City, starting with the recently completed Crystal Palace match, and then moving on over to Leipzig. So uh, let's get started for episode two. Jason, how did you feel about that one? It was a bit nerve-wracking, to be honest, that last you know, 10 minutes. Um, you know, the game like, literally just finished, what, five minutes ago? Um, and we're jumping mm-hmm. straight into this. Um, but yeah, that, that was nerve-wracking. You know, we, you know, in the preview, we said this was going to be a tough game. But, you know, we got the result, and that's what matters at the end of the day. You know, basically go, go to Selhouse Park and get the fuck back out. You know what I mean? So for me, like, the result's really important. Um, and that's the main thing for me. We got the three points. I think it's the, I think this was the last Premier League game um, for this month. So we got Leipzig next, then we got Burnley um, in the FA Cup, and then we got the international break, and then Liverpool, right? So Liverpool's the next um, Premier League game, essentially. So for me, that was a huge three points. Like, it was so important, you know. And to get a late goal like that and then hold on and get a clean sheet. And, you know, we've talked about clean sheets before. Um this is such a good result. Yeah. What What were your thoughts on the result? Like, how do you feel about the, the you know, what's your in, initial reaction about the title race? Do you feel like we're we're back in the title race, or like we're, or is this one step closer? You know, there's 11 games left. Um, you know, I feel like this. I feel like to me, this was a big step in the right direction. You know, we're two points behind, and Arsenal have a game in hand now again. Um, it's still not in our control, but you know, how do you feel? How do you feel now about the title race with that away win? In the title race, I mean, this definitely keeps us in it, which is really what you want at this point. Like, you, we're going to keep pressure on Arsenal. I think that's the most important thing. Arsenal's never been in a title race, and they're honestly a fairly thin squad. So to keep this pressure on them, especially, you know, when we there's no other match until April for the mm. Premier League, it's incredibly important. You know, we you don't want to end you don't want to drop points for games that you should be winning. And, you know, frankly, we were a much, much better team today. And there's just so many games you can have like that and drop points. So if we're going to do that, we need to, we need to win all of the games that we deserve to win. And this is one of them. And we weren't at our best finishing today, but if it gets the job done, it gets the job done. And, I think that's the most important thing right now is just keep pressing Arsenal and hopefully they can drop their levels a little bit, which I think they might. Yeah, look, and well, I think what's impressive as well is the 1-0, you know, um, in the league. When was the last time we had a 1-0 win? Can you, can, you re- can you recall the game that we had a 1-0 win? Last year. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually last year. Actually, it was last year. Wow. Uh, it, it might have been earlier this year in a certain match, but it seemed like the last couple of years we were winning a lot of one nils. Where if it you know was what, a tough game we would get our goal and then we would just shut the game down. I've actually just checked, and the last one nil game was Leicester away. Hmm. I think that was the Kevin De Bruyne free kick. So our two one nils have been a set piece away win, one at Leicester, one at Crystal Palace. That's the only one nil wins we've had all season. Which is fantastic, right? So you know, it shows yeah. that we have that ability to keep a clean sheet in some tight games. You know, we haven't seen that since October. 
Um, we've kept a few clean sheets now um, in the last few games. So we've we've kept one now against Newcastle and now Crystal Palace. So that's to me that's that's the most impressive part. Um, you know, keeping those clean sheets and and Pep's changed the lineup again from last game. So which was a bit surprising. So we'll jump into that if you want. Um, you know, what, what were your thoughts, your initial thoughts about the lot? You know, no Kevin De Bruyne. Um, you know, we had four centre-backs on the field mm-hmm. and no Laporte again. So what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that lineup when it first came out? So I think the first thing was I was wondering how we were going to build up um, because... I thought Rico Lewis was going to play today and and sit next to Rodri because the three two and build up is very good for defending ca- the counter attack and that was really the only threat Crystal Palace was going to have against us. So I thought that's what was going to happen when I saw the lineup. I thought it was going to be more of a two three and we would defend their counter attack like that, but essentially Pep just had stones that same role um, that normally Rico Lewis or Bernardo Silva or whoever plays. Um, and Stones did a really good job, so can't fault him for that. And then up higher, I was excited to see Bernardo Silva in the eight because he just rarely ever plays there. Quite honestly, like he's he is so versatile and Pep loves versatility, but his best, most natural position is that right-sided eight, and that's also where Kevin De Bruyne plays. So it's nice to see him back there because I think we forget how good he is. So And then, you know, Foden, Grealish, Holland, I, I can't really argue with that. It, it's good to know that Foden was back to being a hunter. Apparently back to being 100% healthy, um, you know, at least according to Pep. I don't think Pep would play him if he wasn't, so... Um, overall, I thought it was, you know, a pretty good lineup. What about you? What did you think? Yeah, look, uh, you know, I think before the game in, in, in the, you know, when we previewed the match a little bit in the last pod, we were speaking about, um, you know, being scared of the counterattack from Crystal Palace. Um, and so we, I think we both thought Walker would start. Um, like we thought we kind of have to start him against like Eze and, and Zaha. Um, so it was a bit surprising not to see him there, but I was happy to see John Stones back in the lineup. You know, he's fit and he's, you know, back in the lineup. I think there are some implications with Laporte. So, you know, if we started four centre-backs and Laporte still can't get in. <laughs> um, so to me, that also means I feel like his time at City is basically done. You know, like he, if he's not, if he can't get into a game prior to the chance, you know, Pep could just prove it completely wrong and start him in the Champions League in, like, in a few days. But the fact that he hasn't started this game f- a few days out of the Champions League game and the fact that we started four centre-backs um, and Pep did a sub to take Stones out and then brought Walker in in the second half, um, you know, that implication of Laporte basically saying to me, okay, I think he's gone in the summer, like, without a doubt, you know what I mean? So... <clears throat> Maybe Gavardiol's coming in. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, to me that was that was the biggest thing that I noticed at first. Um, the other part, the other you know, the other part besides Walker and, and Laporte was obviously Kevin De Bruyne, and we spoke about this last last um you know his poor performance against Newcastle, and we're saying maybe he can't play you know those 
three games in a row or you know what I mean like you know game every three days and it feels like maybe Pep started to see that um so he kind of gave him a rest and what, what did he play 15 minutes he came on on what the 75th minute was it right yeah. after the heart yeah. right after the heart right after the Harlan Harlan penalties right so um so he's, he's basically gonna start against Leipzig right that's that's my um that's my um assumption from that um so for me that that's the the other big part so you know maybe we'll see KDB rotated out a little bit more or maybe we'll even see all the other center mids rotated a bit so they can get a bit of rest Gundogan as, as well you know he's no young chicken either um so that that was my initial thoughts um with the with the lineup yeah oh, and oh. I think Stones being healthy yeah um helps De Bruyne out a lot because then Bernardo Silva doesn't have to drop next to Rodri and there so there's Essentially, there's Stones, there's Rico Lewis, who can play that role, and it means Bernardo doesn't have to play that role, and then that means that De Bruyne can get a little bit of a rest because Bernardo doesn't have to play so deep. So I think it's a knock-on effect of us just getting healthier as a team. Yeah. Um, it'll help Kevin De Bruyne because he doesn't have to play every match. I think I think this is one of the first games we've had where like everyone's available. <laughs> I don't think anyone's yeah. injured or sick or anything right now. Like literally, the whole team was available, so a bit of headache for for Pep. But I think I believe he said in one of his last um, questions, he said, "I'm just going to play my best players now. The rotation's over, and that's a good thing, right? Because we're in the home stretch. You know, big games are games, and this is exactly what we we're saying in the last pod. Um, you know, play your best team now for every game, basically." Maybe he might rotate a little bit for the FA Cup game, but it wouldn't surprise me if he just goes strong again. You know what I mean? You know, we're about to approach an international break. So, yeah, for me, the, the lineup, you know, it's it's going to start picking itself, essentially. You know, the most fit players, the ones not redlining, um, the ones that are most informed are just basically going to start, and that's how we're going to go for the rest of the season. Um, I think previously he 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 was changing a lot to, to work out what his, his best lineup was, but, yeah... I think going forward, we're just going to see the best players available and just go on with that, you know, mid-March. Like we said, the next Premier League game's in April now. So, yeah. What, what were your th- thoughts on the on the first half? Um, you know, how do you think we played in that first half? Besides, you know, even though it ended up in a in a nil-all draw um, in the first half, did, were you happy with the way we played? Um, I think we played very well in the first half. I think both halves we played. I agree. But, I agree. Um. In the first half, I thought we were really, really good. And if it wasn't for Holland missing a sitter, I think Sam Lee actually tweeted this. If it wasn't for Holland missing a sitter, we'd be up 1-0 and we'd say that was a great half of football. So I can't really fault the team for that. And, you know, looking at the XG totals, um, halftime it was 0.98 to 0.12 XG. So essentially, just about one to zero, xG, and I mean that's that sounds pretty fair, quite honestly. Um, I I just thought we moved the ball really well. We were very crisp in our passing, um, and we were finding holes as well. Like one thing I noticed, they stopped doing it more in as the game uh, got on later because I don't really know why they did it in the beginning, but. Anytime Jack Grealish received the ball out wide, Nathaniel Klein went really wide to meet him. And 
essentially they wanted to close down any space for him. But what happened was because they were playing a back four, there was acres of space between Klein and Anderson. Um, and not just that, Grealish was getting by Klein with ease, which means there was just tons of space everywhere. Now, they corrected that pretty quickly. Um, but the first couple times, Grealish just was rinsing Klein, and there was so much space there um, that I figured a goal was going to come from that. And Yeah, it was, it was disappointing. Three. Disappointing that, especially Grealish, that Grealish run. I feel like he should have scored. I was, I was like, oh, he deserves a goal. Like, He's played so well, by the way. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. Sorry, carry on, carry, carry on. I, I interrupted just because I that Grealish um little run and and you know low drive into the into the bottom left corner. Yeah, I thought it was about to be a goal. It came back into my I was, <laughs> Yeah, I was I was surprised that he didn't curl that one far post. Um, yeah, it looked yeah. like it was set up to be curled far post, and then he tried to just blast it near post, um, and it was a little off, but. There was three or four different times in the first half where he he did something similar to that. I think was there one of them where he tried to find Holland in behind, or he there was there was a couple different ones like that where you just thought a goal was coming from from there somehow, and yeah, don't know how it didn't. Yeah, um, yeah. No, look, I feel I feel like we were better than that first half. You know, we, we were just going at him. Um, you know, I think Rodri had a nice shot. Um, Foden had a shot. Harland, obviously, you know the, the the real big one is Harland's miss. Um, he's missed a few sitters in the last few games. You know what I mean? Like against Nottingham and then Newcastle, and now this. It, it feels like we're he's he's missing those early goals in the early in the season. Does that concern you any at all? No, I mean everybody's gonna miss those. The problem was, in for the first half of the season. He wasn't missing one of those. It's normal for um, it's normal for strikers to miss some of those. There's plenty of setters Aguero used to miss, and like the the one that comes to mind is when we beat Chelsea six nil, but we were up one nil, and he was wide open at the back post, and all he had to do was just touch it into the goal, and hit it wide somehow. Um, but everybody misses stuff like that, so I don't think. It's really concerning, um, but it's good to at least have him score the penalty. It kind of gets his confidence up because I can tell that we are actually we're finding him in better situations now. So I think the goals are just going to keep are going to start coming more because you know I think Pep said a couple weeks ago that and Sam Lee wrote an entire article on. This, it's just been a big talking point of we're not finding Holland enough, and I, it's pretty true. So yeah. it's good to see that it, it looked like we were looking for him a lot this game, and that's promising to see because the goals are just going to keep coming. Yeah. I feel like overall that first half was pretty good anyway, like you said. Um, and, you know, like, and like you alluded to earlier, you know, if, if Holland hits that, then that first half is, is fantastic. Um, and we'll jump to the second half. It's more of the same, or do you feel like something changed tactically? Um, I didn't really see anything change. I mean, at least from our end, if it's not broke, then don't fix it. You know, I'll, things changed a little bit when Foden was subbed off for Alvarez. 
Bernardo moved into a couple of different spots. And, like, the, I think the one thing to keep in mind is the the spots that our players occupy on the field doesn't really change a whole lot. The difference is what player is occupying what spot. So, at first, when Alvarez moved in, um, he kind of took up that second striker slash higher eight role, um, which means Bernardo moved out to the wing, uh, out to the right wing. And then not too long into it, Bernardo came a little deeper and Stones was high and wide into that high wide right winger slash just high right back spot. Yeah. So it looked a little odd and I'll probably do a thread on how it'll, you know, after I go watch it back. But that's just one thing I noticed is um, Pep, I think, really noticed that we were missing Bernardo in midfield. And so he put Bernardo back there, sort of next to Rodri, and then would move Stones higher and, and more wide. And at that point, I was kind of surprised that Walker didn't come on then when we were trying to get a goal. And it seemed yeah, like I agree. Stones was just wide open uh, on the right side every time for those switches. I thought that's when we would see Walker because he could he provides a little bit more offensive threat. I, he's not the greatest at putting balls into the box, but he provides a lot more offensive threat than John Stones. So um, glad we got the goal, though. But I, that's kind of what I saw tactically from the things that change is more of when Alvarez came on. Yeah. Do, do you think Kevin De Bruyne comes on for Stones if we don't get that goal? Um, I figured he would have came on for either Gundogan or Bernardo. Yeah, because I, I, I thought with all those, you know, open, like you said, open opportunities that Stone was getting, um, and because he was pushing up so much forward, and because we needed a goal, I thought maybe you bring Kevin De Bruyne on for one of the defenders. Um, you know, you shift Bernardo. You know, Bernardo can run a little bit, so you can, he can still cover that role that he's covering in the back, and you know, Palace were just sitting so deep. So I'm just like, okay, we need to unlock this. I'm like, I'm like mm, do you reckon, do you think he might put Kevin De Bruyne on for a defender just, you know, to put an extra body higher up? Um, but as soon as that goal went in, I'm like, okay, that's going to change things. And I, I think you messaged me saying like, you know, sit Kevin De, Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne back down. We don't need him on the field anymore to unlock the defense. So I was, I was, it was still interesting that he came back on. I guess it's just, maybe he's just trying to get him back into rhythm for, 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 for the Leipzig game. Um yeah, overall, look, I agree with you. The second half was pretty much the same as the first half. There wasn't much tactically that changed besides the subs, the impact of the subs. Um, but yeah, it was strange seeing Stones out on that so wide all the time. But we had some good chances in that second in, the, in that second half. I think Alvarez had a good shot. That not oh, turn that man. he did. Yeah. Yeah. That was a beautiful turn. And he just had to... Honestly, he just had to put it on target. And it was probably... A goal, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. it didn't need to be a perfect shot, but he was close enough where if he just put his laces through it, even if Glade had got to it, that would have taken a massive deflection. I mean, yeah, agree. Like if he kicked it right at Guaida, that would have taken a uh, some sort of deflection. So I was, oh, that was frustrating because that was such a beautiful turn. Yeah, it was. I feel like he was surprised at how much space he was in, and it kind of like. Put him off a little bit, because um, like he's usually clinical in those situations. It's, it's a bit strange seeing him not being that, you know, 
smashing over the bar so high. You know, he usually at least puts it on target. Um, but yeah, I feel like he was just like, oh, just did a nice spin, and I'm like in acres of space. I'm like, okay. <laughs> He's like, he he felt maybe he felt like he, a bit shocked himself that he was in so much space. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Look, it, it was a bit frustrating because it's like, oh, just put it on target, and something else will happen from it. You know what I mean? You you kind of gotta put those shots on target, right? Yeah, I mean, you just, you have to put them, I know he's just trying to smash it into the top net, but you just, sometimes you just have to put it on, just kind of, he just leaned back a little bit, it was kind of like Holland's goal, or Holland's miss in the first half, where he leaned back a little bit, those yeah. ones you just got, you just got to put them on target, that's, yeah. I think that's kind of the biggest thing, cause, is just put them on target, if they make a save, make them make a save. And if they do try to get the rebound or just kind of, just kind of put it near the goal. It was like, um, I believe it was, yeah, it was in the first half when Holland got it out a little wider and just put it in the box and it starts bouncing around. And then he had it again. And I think Lakanga cleared it out for a corner, but it's like chances like that was just because Holland just throws it into the box. There's nobody specifically there. It's just, you got to put it in that danger area and it's very similar thing for when you're in front of goal is just put it on target, make the keeper, make a save and try to follow up with a rebound. Did you like the sub um, for Alvarez for, for Foden? I feel like, I feel like the, the other part of the Foden sub was, um, you know, I, you know, I remember we we're talking about who's going to start against Leipzig, Mares or Foden. I think Foden coming off at the was it 57th or 58th minute basically tells me that Foden's starting against Leipzig, right? So, um, did, did you like the sub or were you saying were you feeling like, no, we still need Foden on the field because he provides that extra dynamic? I was kind of surprised by the Foden sub because I thought the game was going well. And normally when the game goes well, even if we haven't scored yet, when it's going well, Pep's not going to make a change. Like we, we see that a lot when the game goes well. He's just not going to make one. So I was actually kind of surprised. Um, whether that means Foden will play at Leipzig or not, I'm not sure because it wouldn't surprise me at all if Mara's played against Leipzig. Mara, we haven't seen Mara's in a little bit, and we know Mara's is great in Champions League. So I don't think Foden was particularly great today either i don't think he had he i don't think he was shocking or anything by any means but he gave the ball away a couple times and it looked like he just he couldn't find a way through in his in his one-on-one matchup so essentially like tyrick mitchell is palace's left back and he's very good defensively um one of my good friends is a palace fan and he describes him as the left back version of Juan Bissaka because He's not really great going forward, but he is a very good one-on-one defender, and it seemed like over and over Foden couldn't really do much against him. And it was a couple times where he just... Mitchell would follow him into the middle when Foden's trying to recycle the ball, and Foden would lose it, and Palace have a break. And I Pep really doesn't like that. So I think it was kind of the culmination of those things and more of okay, let's find somebody who's not going to take their man one-on-one on the wing because clearly that wasn't working um, and try to go kind of more through the middle. And 
have Alvarez making those runs in behind um, instead of trying to have Foden taking Mitchell one-on-one because that just it, it didn't work very well and so I don't I don't to answer your question I don't really know but it wouldn't surprise me if um if he was taken off more for that tactically just because Pep normally doesn't make subs that early and uh even if he was going to play against Leipzig I feel like yeah. if the game was going the way Pep wanted it to he would have kept Foden on a little longer yeah okay yeah my, my initial thoughts were like yeah that was a, a pre-planned sub prior to the game um but no you know you've changed mine that was some you know thinking back now on on Foden's mistakes in that first half where he's given the ball away a fair bit you know they I think um Crystal Palace got a a few counterattacks out of that um so yeah yeah you make you make you make some really really good points there I agree with you now yeah, thanks. Um, which, which is interesting. Like, you know, is, is he going to start against Leipzig, you know, or is it going to be Mahrez? Because Mahrez is, you know, but we'll get into that a bit later when we do the, the little preview for um, for Leipzig for, is it Wednesday the game or Tuesday? I, uh, I believe it's Wednesday. Well, yeah. Wednesday for me. <laughs> Depending on the time zone, right? <laughs> yeah, it's um, for me. Oh, no, it's Tuesday. Okay. Um. So Tuesday at four p.m. My time. Well, the time is changing here. We're in daylight savings, so I think it'll be three p.m. My time. Um. I'm not sure, but essentially Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. It would night be Tuesday. In Manchester. It would. It Tuesday would be, night in Manchester. It would. It would be Tuesday. Yeah, because it's um Wednesday morning for me. So seven o'clock in the morning. Nice. Hmm. Nice early game for me. <laughs> Better than today. <laughs> Today was four thirty in the morning kickoff. By the way, for anyone wondering, for anyone wondering what time I have to get up to to watch Manchester City, but yeah, you do it now. Get up every day, every every game. Sorry, yeah, but yeah. Overall, and then going back to the second half, what do you think of the penalty, Stonewall? Yeah, I I think that was a pretty valid penalty. I don't really know how you could argue it wasn't. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, even Olise, you could see it on his face. He knew it was a penalty. I don't think it's not one of those where you think, oh, that's a weak penalty and it's going to be debated on Sky Sports by Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville for the next week. That's not that's not one of those. Um, yeah. If anybody thinks that's not a penalty, they're just being partisan at that point. Yeah. Um, I feel like the Palace players even, here. yeah, the Palace players even like, you could see their faces. Yeah, that's a pen. You just knew. You knew straight away. It's like, yep, this is... This doesn't even need to go to VAR. <laughs> it's a stonewall penalty as you get, you know what I mean? Yeah. I well, Honestly, I was kind of surprised more by Palace's tactics to start out the game in their counterattacks. Um, and I think that's why Pep must... I mean, Pep knows... This is why he knows so much that it baffles me because... I feel if Zaha played on the left wing, Walker would have been there 100%. But Zaha was was centrally um, for most of the game until Edward came on, and then he came out to the left. And then what happened? Kyle Walker came in the game. I know he came on very late, but um, I think that's probably part of a reason because Jordan Ayew was out on the left wing, and I don't think anybody's really worried about him burning you with pace. So... <laughs> Um, 
I was surprised that they didn't switch that up earlier. Maybe because they just thought that they were gonna hang on for the for the draw, but that was that was kind of surprising to me because they just offered nothing going forward, and that's a credit to our um, our counterattacking measures. I mean, we just didn't let them get out really at all, unless we gave the ball away in midfield a couple of times, but um, they really just offered yeah, the, nothing going forward. The, yeah, I agree. They were, they were very, very deep all game and just were like set up so negatively in a way. Um, I think they only had like, to me, the only, I think they didn't have a shot on target to be honest, but I feel like no, the only... They didn't, right? Yeah, so I think that's their third or fourth game straight they haven't had a shot on target. Um, and I feel like they're... The only chance they really, really had, I think it was like the 87th minute or 86th minute. You know, they had that, you know, I think Zaha kind of burnt Walker a little bit. I think it was just after Walker came on. It was Zaha's first run at Walker. And he yeah. burnt him a little bit, did a few sidesteps, and then drove a, a below nice cross right through the middle and it like missed about seven crystal players crystal palace players that's what it felt like and it missed literally everyone and then no one hit it and then we just cleared the ball that was probably their biggest chance to me because you know if a palace player gets on the end of that you know it's probably going in um you know and we get our typical one one draw but that was really their own their only attacking chance where i said okay they've got a chance here you know, yeah, and the, that's why I was kind of surprised. It's like they were trying to play up to Zaha as a target man on Ruben Diaz, and that's never going to work. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> why Why are you doing that? And I think Elise is a good right winger. Um, I, I'm a big fan of his, but it's just like when you're trying to counterattack, it seemed like they were just trying to do the old you know, lump it up to the center forward, let him hold up play a little bit and kind of launch it from there. But I mean, Wolf Zaha is just not going to win those battles with Ruben Diaz. I don't, it just, it made no sense to me, um, their entire plan. But then also, I think we also did just an incredible job of, um, you know, when our buildup was that good and we had them pinned back so deep, by the time they were ready to launch a counterattack, there was maybe two or three of them going forward, but there was five of our guys back. So essentially anytime they would try to lump it forward, we had their men surrounded and they just couldn't do anything about it. So um, I thought it was great kind of on our end, but also kind of confusing on their end of the strategy. Cause I feel like just, getting the ball wider to Zaha and trying to let him take on somebody one-on-one, -on -one, maybe beat them and progress up the field would be a much better strategy. And we saw it, like, like you said, their, their best chance came from Zaha beating Walker on the wing and putting a ball in the box. I, I was just kind of surprised that Zaha wasn't on the wing. Yeah. I, I feel like they went, they went into the game and, you know, as time went on, it kind of, they, they didn't, they didn't feel like until we scored. They didn't. I didn't feel like they wanted to attack much. They were happy to take a zero-zero draw against us, right? So, yeah. I think they had what you know, every time we were trying to attack that yes, a back line of six almost, you know, and then basically no one up front. Um, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. I, I didn't like the way they set up, but you know, 
I guess a lot of teams are going to set up, especially now Crystal Palace, who you know need to start picking points wherever they can. They're getting dragged into um, a relegation battle. Um, I think they're four points clear from the drop, or maybe three now. Um, you know, and Bournemouth beat Liverpool. Ha! <laughs> um, so that. <laughs> so that. <laughs> I had, to, I had to throw that little dig in. I had to. I'm sorry. Um, you know, yeah, Bournemouth won one nil. Everton beat um, Brentford. So like, all these teams right at the bottom are like, you know, scraping three points. You know, in one nil wins. Um, and Palace probably start need start need to do the same thing. You know, we've talked about this before. You know, there's seven teams basically in a relegation battle at all times for the rest of the season. Um, mm-hmm. So it kind of surprised me, but it didn't at the same time that they had they set up. You know. I feel like if this if we were playing away at Palace in the first 15 games of the season, I feel like they would have just went at us a lot more and the game would have been a bit more open, I'd say. Um, even though Patrick Vieira usually plays a bit more pragmatic against us, but I feel like he still would have opened up a little bit more, especially earlier. You know, I, I feel like they didn't open up until we scored. It, and usually teams, you know, they weren't like worried about picking up points. They'd pick... They'd, maybe open up around the 70th minute mark and actually try and get a result. Because you go say, you've got a chance. You say, you know what, it's nil all. Let's go for the three points. But in a game like this, they're just still happy to take that one, you know, you know, zero, zero draw and get the one point. So, yeah, um, I was honestly, uh, honestly, I'm kind of surprised that Patrick Vieira as of late, because it looked like, especially in his first year last year at Palace, he was, really going to turn them into a more progressive team. Yeah. And yeah. it just, it seems like they're reverting this year. And they're just, like today, if you did not show Patrick Vieira on the sideline and all of a sudden Roy Hodgson popped up, I would not have been surprised. I mean, that, that looked like Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace, not Patrick Vieira's. Um, to, to be fair, Patrick Vieira is under a lot of pressure. So, yeah. You know, so he's you know, just trying to get results. He's just trying to get a result, just to just to, to to stop the bleeding. But I guess when when you're trying to stop the bleeding, you kind of hurt yourself because you go you go against your principles a little bit. So yeah, oh yeah, I wasn't too impressed with their with their setup. But they almost got the draw. I, I feel like you know, we only scored one goal. Um, going back to that goal, actually, how confident were you when when Harlan up the ball and went for the pen? How are you feeling? Are are we ever confident when taking the pen? <laughs> Maybe That's we should start getting Harlan confident. Has. has Harlan missed the penalty for us? Yeah, I don't think he has. I think he scored four no. out of four or five out of five. So. No, he hasn't. He hasn't missed one yet. I don't know if we've missed one this year or not. Maybe Mares. Mares. Yeah, Mares has missed one. Yeah. Um, but and that was, I think, more. Like I, I think that was more kind of garbage. Like I don't think it was meaningful the missed pen at the time. I don't remember though. Um, I think I agree with you. No, I think I think it wasn't. It, it didn't affect the result. But yeah, I, th- I remember there was talk after, and it was like, why is Myers taking a penalty when when Harlan's on the pitch? Actually, was yeah. Harlan even? I don't think even Harlan was on the pitch for that miss. Yeah, it might have been the couple matches where he was injured, but we were wondering why was he taking it instead of Alvarez at that. Yeah, point. I can't remember. Uh, it might have been that. But yeah. either way, like, I'm getting more confident, but I'm still not confident. Just got pit- that's just, that's yeah. just your PTSD kicking in, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm just not gonna believe it until it goes in. And <laughs> thank God it went in. We, 
we needed that. And I think it was good for Holland to see it going. But also, yeah. like, it, part of it was because the keeper guessed the wrong way because it wasn't exactly the best taken pen. It was just the keeper went the wrong way, but he didn't kick it especially hard, and he didn't put it exactly in the corner. So yeah. either way, I, I, I'm I'm happy with, with yeah. a made pen. I'll, to, I'll to take me, it. Yeah, to me, it was a, it was a calm and collected um, pen take. He, he kind of waited for the keeper to go a direction and then kicked in the other direction, I felt. Yeah. He just rolled it in. So, you know, that, that's what you want from a penalty taker. Yeah. And we kind of missed that, you know. We 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 used to be used to, like, Balotelli and Yaya Toure, you know, never missing. So, to, to finally have a penalty taker where, you know, I think he's, I think Haaland's percentage in his career is about 90-something percent, which is really high, right? So, like, people think Aguero was a good penalty taker, but he was only, like, 75% or 70-something percent, right? So... To have that's a pretty to, average, yeah, yeah, and that's the average, right? So I think Mara's is seventy percent. Um, Aguero was like seventy-five. You know, for Haaland to be in the high nineties, you know, I think he's only missed two in his whole career so far. So, you know, I think he's taken like thirty something as well. So he's, to me, I, I am confident when he steps up. But yeah, like you said, we that PTSD from <laughs> seeing so many parties <laughs> going over the bar, <laughs> Gundogan, Liverpool, Mara's, Liverpool. <laughs> You know, oh, PT- that Mara's Liverpool yeah. one. Oh. Still makes you angry to this day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That... Yeah. So, we've, yeah, we've had the PTSD kick in um, when someone steps up for a penalty, especially in a, in a high-pressure situation where it's nil or, you know, and basically this could be your, your biggest chance to score. But, you know, for Haaland to just slot it into the bottom left corner, um, very calm and collected. And then, you know, that's his 28th goal in the Premier League. And I think he broke Aguero's record now. So Aguero's, um, Aguero was used to hold the uh, most goals for City in the competition. So I think he's broken that now um, with 34 goals in all competitions. So look, yeah. man, Haaland's just a generational breaking talent. Breaking more records. Breaking more records. Give me some 40 goals, Haaland, please. I need the and 40 he's goals. he's only going to get better. Next year. <laughs> he's going to get better next year. Yeah. Yeah, which and look, is he, even crazier. Yeah, look when he, when he starts with that build up and you know he didn't do much too much build up this game. His hold up play wasn't the best I felt, but you know I reckon by next year he'll he'll be so much better. Yeah, he didn't really need to do any build up today either. It's not like it's not like we had trouble. <laughs> yeah, well according <laughs> according let us take it right into their third. Yeah, well according to some people on Twitter, he'll be doing that Madrid next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, according to Miguel Delaney. Yeah, Miguel Delaney. She's Miguel's biased human rights expert. <laughs> Miguel Delaney. She's Miguel's. I I still Miguel Delaney, man, he wrote this love letter to Roman Abramovich for changing the Premier League and the fact <laughs> people on human rights. Yep. And you know, and you know, state sponsored blah blah blah, and yet Real Madrid's right there who was actually convicted of receiving money from the Spanish government, but we're not going to say anything about that, or we're not going to ask, um, who was it that he had an interview with Mbappe and he didn't ask him about nah, that, that was, um, that, that was his mate Tariq. <laughs> let, let's oh, like, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's, let's not, let's guy. not fall into, let's not fall into that. Let's not fall into that rabbit hole right now. Like, oh <laughs> yeah, we, I think we need a separate podcast on how media 
talk about City. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll do that in the international break. Actually, that'll be good. That'll be a good podcast. We'll we'll, we'll dive in into his financials and some, you know, some, some, you know, some quick numbers and how the media portrays us versus other teams. And um, you know, there was some interesting stuff on Twitter, you know, a few days ago about buying Munich's sponsorships as well and how that ties to their ownerships. We'll, we'll do that. We'll do that on a. On a on an international break special podcast, I reckon that'll be that'll be a good um, yeah. overall talk because yeah, it's just a whole can of worms that we can dive into. And this podcast will suddenly be two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. But <laughs> you know, future Real Madrid player Erling Holland scoring yep. plenty of goals for Manchester City. Yeah, breaking records in <laughs> Manchester City, but he'll, he'll be definitely playing at Madrid next year. So yeah, maybe we'll offer him a. Maybe they can give us Vinicius Junior in return. <laughs> yeah, get yeah, give us Vinicius Junior and maybe Kamavinga, and we'll call <laughs> it an even trade. Yeah, yeah, even. <laughs> look, I, th- I think yeah, go go back to the game. Look, I think it was a good result, and like we said, last Premier League game of the of this month before the international break, which is coming up in like a week. So we've got um, Leipzig coming up, and we've got Burnley coming up um, in the FA Cup. And then we've got Liverpool right after the international break, which is surely going to be a absolute banger because Liverpool only turn up for their rivals. But wait, hold on. Are we, are we actually rivals with them? You know, I've, I'm not sure if we're actually rivals. So they might not turn up against us. Yeah. They might give us, they might give us a, a, a nice Bournemouth um, special, as they, as they just did. Um, yeah, have to bring that back up. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is we're not at Anfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's probably the only good thing because I, I, yeah, we don't win at Anfield, unfortunately. Yeah, we, we take the we take the draw. Still, uh, and Mo Salah missed a penalty. Speaking of missing penalties, I don't think I've ever yep. seen that before. So yeah, he's I think he's only like three or two in his entire Liverpool career, which is so him him skying. I think it's his first penalty that he skied over the bar or like or didn't hit the target. I should say that was his first yeah. penalty in Liverpool that he hasn't hit the target. He's he's had penalties saved before. That's actually the first one where he completely just shot shot it off target. So more of that, Liverpool, for next week, please. Oh, sorry, in three weeks after the international break. International break. So, but yeah, yeah. Um, I would love that. Overall, who who was your you know going back to the game? Who was your you know best performer or your standout performer? I should say. Um. I don't know if I can get what I would honestly say. Holland was a very good performer because it seemed like he was making very good runs uh, most of the match. And he was just kind of opening space when they were shutting it down. I mean, I feel like he had some pretty good chances. He was making good runs. He was really making uh, Palace's defense work. So I'd probably say him or maybe Grealish because Grealish was just he was pretty threatening, especially in the first half. Um, I'm, maybe I'm, even Nathan Ake. Yeah, I was about to go there. I was going to say I was, I'm going to go left field and just go completely different um, and go, you know, give it to the defense, hold a clean sheet, and then give it to Nathan Ake. He's been phenomenal over the last few weeks. You know, probably this season he might be one of our players of the season. So he's just so solid defensively on that left side, and I don't think anything got past him today. He was so he played so well, so I'd have to give it to him as the highest performer. You know, I, I can't give it to Harlan only because, you know, 
he did miss that sitter, which which can happen. Um, but you know, if that's if if I'm if I'm gonna find a reason not to give you player of the match, that's probably it. Although he did hit the winning goal in the penalty, and it was very calm and collected. But I'd have to give it to the guys that gave us the clean sheet. Um, you know, Nathan Aki, and I'll give to Nathan Aki for sure because, like I said, he just told that defensive side so well and he was making good forward runs as always well. finding himself open he made a few good crosses um in the first half so overall solid performance he looked a bit injured in that second half i started getting worried i think i messaged i'm like i'm like god damn it <laughs> i'm like come on just give us a break you know we finally got our team healthy let us have the team be healthy for the rest of the um until the national break where then martinez can oh martinez been sacked so no he's not going to be playing he's maybe kevin de bruyne will get some rest for belgium but yeah <laughs> not playing not playing full 90 minute games yeah um, now he's uh now he's over in portugal so it looks like ruben diaz and bernardo silva won't get oh no oh no <laughs> you just ruined my morning <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah but yeah look overall overall good game and we've got the result we've got three points so i'm happy with yeah. the result and happy with the performance I overall yeah, I was pretty happy, and I, yeah, like you said, I was pretty surprised at how often Ake and Akanji got forward. Like they they came very high, especially Ake, and I think Ake would have assisted that Holland should have yeah. the goal. Yeah, yeah I think, he would have. Yeah, I mean, even, it was him. Uh, it was yeah, him. He was his, at the stats. Yeah, it was his assists to, to Holland miss. He should have an assist in my mind for this game. Like. Like I said, he played yeah. brilliant. He he was fantastic all game. Um, yeah, because that chance was massive, and he finished the match with 0.61 expected assists. Yeah, there you go. By far the highest on the team. Yeah. The next is Grealish with 0.16. So, so not only was he our best defender, he was also our best creator, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and I think most of it was from that one chance. Cause that yeah, it one was. Chance that one chance would be huge. It was like 0.5 or point. Let's see. We were at 0.35 xg and it jumped to 0.93. So it was basically 0.6 xg by itself, anyways. Or yeah, 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 yeah. He, he Not basically surprising at all. Yeah, he basically created our best chance, to, which Holland usually would have scored. But like I said, he he did everything. You know, defensively yeah. solid. Was was going forward well. Akanji played well as well. So, you know, I'm I'm personally not the biggest fan of Akanji, but I can't fault him. You know, he's played well the last few games. Um. Yeah, and thinks Pep trusts him. So, yeah, Pep definitely. I that's honestly one of the most surprising things of the season is seeing Akanji plays almost every match. I mean, yeah. Pep loves him, yeah. and I that's like I think he's a solid player. He's definitely not our best defender by far, but um, Pep loves him. I mean, I. From the second he came in, I think it was maybe after the first or second game, Pep said something like, I told Akanji this is how to play, and he immediately got it. Like, immediately. Yeah, um, he's ba he's basically started every game. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And he's, he's been very good. And even there was, you know, the reports that City are in shock that they got him for $15 million. They were like, yeah. this is a... 50 to 60 million pound defender. How on earth did we get him for 15? Mm. Um, so I think, you know, we see it all the time. He's probably going to even get better next year. So I, for him to be our fifth center back, I, I can't really. Yeah. He, he came in on that. He came in the fifth, but it, he seems like he's 
second or third choice right now. So, you know, he's been on the starting sheet almost every game, like you said. Yeah. I, I, I personally would prefer a better ball-playing centre-back, um, especially when you've got Diaz and Akanji on, on, the same, on the same pitch. You kind of want that driving forward passes, but he had a heap of aggressive passes this game, which is impressive, and he was hitting the targets, doing everything well. So you can't, like I said, you can't fault him. The, the way he's played the last few games, like, I can't really say anything. You know, ideally, ideally, I'd, you know, would have started Laporte next to Diaz, but, um, you know, like I said, I think Laporte's on his way out, and I think Pep's preparing for that. Um, you know, in three months, he's going to be sold. That's that's the yeah. Let's let's talk about that real quick. Let's talk about what's going on with Laporte because I think that's important. Um, it does seem like he's just being frozen out. And that's yeah. really what it seems like to me. Yeah, I agree. Like there, like there's really no excuse for him missing this many games in a row. Other he, than he was sick. Attitude, right? He was sick, but he's been fit the last two games in a row, right? At least, because him and De Bruyne were sick around the same time. De Bruyne's been playing for a couple of weeks. Yeah, so he missed. He so. didn't. He didn't play against Bristol. Bristol City, I don't think. Yeah, he missed Bristol City because he was actually completely out with his um sickness. He had a fever or whatever it was. Um, and then Newcastle, he was on the bench. Or was he not? Yeah. No, he was uh, on the bench. No, he was, he was yeah. on the bench. Yeah, he was. So, so basically, he's been on the bench the last two games. I actually thought he would start this game, especially with the he's not going to play midweek against Leipzig. Then I thought he would start this game, but I guess Pep is going with. The players he trusts the most and the players that he believes in the most so and for whatever reason yeah like you said Laporte's frozen out we've got five fit setbacks probably the, for the first for the first time all season um so for me he's just looked at it and goes well someone's gonna miss out and it seems like Laporte's the odd man out and unfortunately I think he'll be sold this summer I think his quality you know like he's he's probably one of the best forward passing lefts left fight lefts left-footed centre-backs I've seen, so... Um, yeah, I but, think he is probably the best pass, the best centre-back with the ball at his feet in the world. I really think that. I think he's just incredible. The amount of control he gives you in his passing range is insane. I mean, yeah. it really is something crazy, and I think the only one that comes close to him in that regard Stones. on the team is John Stones. Yeah, uh, I feel like we missed something. I think something Akanji will. I feel Akanji like we, will get there. I feel like we miss something when Laporte's not there. We do miss that range of passing because you know even even Ake Ake's doesn't have the range of passing of Laporte. Neither does Diaz. Neither does Kanji. So when if they if those three are starting, you know, and we've seen it a, couple, a few games ago. I can't remember which game it was um, where Laporte was just pinging passes from left to right, um, you know, from straight to Mahrez's feet or, or Foden's feet. I can't remember who was on the wing. Um, we kind of miss that when he's not on the field, so it is surprising that he's been frozen out for this for this home stretch. But like, like I said, he, who knows with Pep, right? He could start for Le- against Leipzig in midweek. We just don't know. Yeah, it, honestly, things change so quickly. If you look at it just pure tactically, because it's not not everything is about tactics, clearly, especially with Laporte. But if you look at it pure tactically, like Laporte and Stone should be the pairing against Leipzig because they're a pressing team and the best thing to have for when you go against the pressing team are 
center backs who are very good with the ball because they can just tear that press apart by themselves. Yeah. And uh, that's not going to happen, obviously, but for other reasons. But, I mean, like, tactically, he is, like, he's incredible. And Pat, there's a reason City went after him after City already went after him. And they, they went back for him because that doesn't often happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's incredible. His defending, I think, is good until he gets in the box. Like, his, mm. he's not the great inside the box, but in terms of, like, defending counterattacks, I think he's he's pretty good. Um, but, yeah, there, the way we play is very different when he is there. And yeah. we kind of miss that a little bit. But um, it seems like our number one target to it. I agree with you. I think he's just, it seems like there's, it's a foregone conclusion. He's gone because we are outwardly and openly um, professing our love for Gavardiol of Leipzig. You know, when, when Fabrizio Romano is saying it, that means city's city wants it out there. And yeah, I agree. They wouldn't there. I mean, we're not going to sign him unless somebody sold and it's not going to be Nathan Ake and he's a left footed center back. So uh, you can just kind of use pretty simple logical reasoning to know that Laporte's probably not going to be here. And um, it kind of sucks. But at the same time, uh, Gavardiol is incredible. So wouldn't be the worst swap. What are your thoughts on Gavardiol? Just quickly. Before we jump so, into the um, preview, he is so good. Like, I don't think it, what is he twenty twenty one years old. He's going to be the best center back in the world at some point in his career, probably within four or five years. You know, as long as he goes to a top team, which it looks like he will, even if it's not City, he is so good. He's he's essentially like if you were to take qualities from a City player. He can pass almost as well as Laporte or John Stones. Like he's that good of a passer on the ball. He's very good carrying the ball, um, and he's very very comfortable on the ball. So think of like a Laporte slash Stones type of player on the ball. But not only that, he can defend like Ruben Diaz. Yeah. So so, uh, so he's got a nasty streak, and he's <laughs> incredibly quick as well. Like he's got loads of pace. He's like Nathan Ake with pace so he's not slow at all and he's good at good at jumping over people right yeah he's good (laughs) at putting his hands on defenders (laughs) shoulders and propelling himself into the air and not getting it called until until he comes to city then he yeah then then he then he can't do that anymore (laughs) (laughs) now look i agree with you look i've i've seen a few i've seen him play a few times and we've seen him in the world cup as well and he's definitely the best best defender in the world cup and Except Messi turned him around, but besides that, he was fantastic the entire tournament. And then we've seen him a few games. We've seen him play against us. Um, his his passing range is Laporte esque, right? So mm-hmm. for me, it's a no brainer if we do lose Laporte to go after Gavardio. The question is, does City have the appetite for it? Especially considering it's going to cost over a hundred million pounds. Without a doubt, he's going for a hundred million pounds, right? So he's not. He's not going to cost anything less. And I, I don't think Leipzig are very keen to sell him anyway. So the, the offer that has to come in has to be substantial, right? So I think he has a release clause for $100 million. Let me check. I, I think his release clause kicks in next season, not this season. 
Mm. And that's and that's why I think they're reluctant because they're just like, just come by him next summer. But to me, so that's why I feel like maybe City won't have the appetite for it. Maybe they'll just say, you know what, we've got five centre backs. We'll sell the port this season. We'll roll out the season with you know four centre backs like most teams do. And you you go, you go with that, and then you come in next season. But it, I think that depends on what we do for our left back situation. You know, we've that that whole left back can sell you, um, you know, with Akik potentially playing there and we can probably need us another body there. Like there's so much room to move where it makes it a really, really tough summer that it's coming up for City. So that's kind of the thing that I was thinking about is I think if City signed Gavardiol, they would not sign a left back. I don't think they would sign any other defender. Honestly. You don't think so? No, because... Even if, should, even if they, even so if you, you if sign we sign him for a hundred million, okay, continue. Sorry, if if we sell Cancelo and Laporte, you don't think we'll sign two defenders? No, because I think Rico Lewis will be a first team player, like nailed on. So that essentially takes the Cancelo minutes, and or somewhat, and you know maybe we sign somebody else that's a little younger, um, but. The way I look at it is Gavardiol at a hundred, say we signed him for a hundred to 110, which honestly, like shell out the money for him. Do it. Like I normally would not advocate buying somebody for that. Get on the phone with Chiggy. Bad, good. Get on the Uh, phone. Yeah. (laughs) Let me, let me text him real quick. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think cause you know, especially the way we've built up so much, like the left back doesn't really go forward. And Gavardiol can play left back. He can play that role, like the the three two, where the the left sided center back can venture forward sometimes into a left back, kind of like what Ake does. Gavardiol is like perfect for that role, and he can play centrally as well. So he can play with Ake and be more of a central defender. So I think him and Ake out on the left, just covering that position. Um, Along with you know, Diaz, Akanji, Stones, Walker, Lewis, I was it seven defenders? Yeah. Four positions. I think that's more than enough. Do you um, know what makes me laugh? <laughs> when we go into next season without a recognize like recognizable left back <laughs> again, yeah. everyone everyone's gonna lose their mind. <laughs> yeah, they really are. But I think I I just highly doubt that we would spend that much money on Gavardiol. And then go get like because the only name we've heard from reputable people is Ben Chilwell. I mm, that's right. I maybe like maybe if we get him for a decent price, maybe if we. Um, I feel like I feel like Chelsea went sell him right now. The way he's playing, he's basically starting now. So. Well, yeah, that's kind of the other thing is we'd have to pay Chelsea, but also Chelsea need to sell players, so it could just be yeah. a fire sale at Chelsea. Maybe they think Cucurella is that. Is going to be that guy, um, and then they have Lewis Hall behind him. So they have three left backs on their team. Somebody's going to have to go. Um, okay. So it, you know maybe if City can get him at a decent rate, but uh, to me, what I see from Gavardiol is uh, we sign him and we are not signing a left back. That that's what I see. We'll 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 come back to that in the summer. We'll see. <laughs> and then we'll yeah. everyone lose their mind when we don't send a left back anyway. <laughs> and and we don't send Gavardio. 
Oh, yeah, that would just be <laughs> that would be disastrous. Yep. We'll, we'll um, you know, we'll do the penny pinching thing that we do and then panic at the at the end of the window and say no, we're not going. We're not spending that many money. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're going to we're going to say we're in on Gavardiol for the entire window. Uh once every 3 days, Fabrizio Romano is going to give an update saying City are calm about the situation and Leipzig are hesitant to sell for that price. And it's going to be the exact same thing the entire... Just, just word it differently. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> so frustrating. All right, well, so frustrating. Yeah, look, I think we've covered a lot in this podcast. So let's just quickly just cover the, um, the, the Leipzig game um, and look ahead a little bit. How do you feel going into that, you know, are you confident? Or, you know, we're playing at the Etihad. It's a 1-1 game. You win, you go through. That's basically what we have to do, right? So I think they gave us a very tough game. They, they played two different styles in, in that first game. You know, the first half was very, very conservative. They looked like Crystal Palace just did right now. Um, and then the second half, they completely flipped it on us and they went all out. And we, we didn't deal with that very well in that second half. How do you feel the this game is going to go? Or what do, you, what, do you, what do you, how do you feel about it? Considering that's at the at, at their head as well. Um, I feel cautiously optimistic. That's probably the way to put it. Um, I we should beat Leipzig. Like Leipzig. I'll, du- I'll double team. on that. By the way, I'll double on that. The cautiously optimistic. You know. Yeah, because like the, it just should be. We should not lose this. We we just shouldn't. But, and you know, Leipzig. They're a good team. But we're a much better team than them. Like yeah. We, I and I think now that we're at the Etihad as well, I personally I could really envision like a three 0 defeat where we just kind of put it away early, we get rid of any hope. Yeah. But I I just really do not want some sort of nail biter in the round of sixteen. That's the last thing I want. Just. Just put this thing away. Uh, I think it was, it had to have been a while ago, but we had a similar tie where I think we were playing Basel or something and the first game was like 1-0 or 1-1 or something. And then we go into the second leg and we beat them like 5-0. Yeah. And I think it's, it's going to be something like that, but who knows? Yeah, look... Yeah, like I, I'm with you. I'm cautiously optimistic. I feel like we should win, but in a sense, this is a final, right? So we're going in nil all um, to ninety minutes, potentially an extra thirty minutes, um, where basically anything could happen. The the part that makes me a little bit more confident, I think, Inkuku is not playing, um, and he kind of changed the game a little bit as soon as he came on. He'd done a few moves that like put our defense into a bit of a panic straight away because he's such a good player. Um, so him not being available, I think, is a boost for us. But, you know, Leipzig are a tough team. You know, I think a lot of... When the, when the draw first came out, a lot of people underrated Leipzig and how well they'd play against us or how tough the draw would be in itself. Um, but, yeah, basically, we have to win. Like... But it's would be a, incredibly it's, disappointing. Yeah, it would be. But it's sitting the Champions League. You know, we've had we've had tough defeats against teams that we should have beaten in the past, where we we were definitely the better team. The on the flip side of that, I feel like the last 
two, three games, um, you know, us keeping clean sheets, um, you know, our defense playing really, really well is a good foreboding for this game. Um, you know, if our, if our team can keep a clean sheet, you know, we're going to be in the game for the whole, you know, whole 90 minutes to 120 minutes. So as long as we do have our defense set and the, the way they're playing with Diaz and um, Stones now back in the, potentially back in the lineup, you know, I feel like, I don't feel as, you know, if you asked me this a month ago, I'd probably be less confident in the way we were playing. Um, but now I'm a, a bit more confident, I'd say. So, yeah, to me, I'm I'm a, I'm a much more calm about it. But like I said, it is a final and anything can happen in the final. Well, what's your predicted line, by the way? If, if you're Pep on Tuesday night, you know, three hours before the game, who are you picking? I would... Well, if I'm in charge versus if I'm trying to guess what Pep's doing are probably two different things. But <laughs> Well, guess what Pep's going to do. Guess what Pep's going to do. My guess would be a solid back four again. Like uh, uh, like Ake, Diaz, Akanji, Walker. Um, maybe Stones in for Akanji. Um, and then Rodri... Into on De Bruyne because I don't think Bernardo can play in this one for yellow cards. Um, Grealish, Holland, and honestly, I think it's going to be Mares. You think it's going to be Mares? I think it's. Is. I just have a feeling. And also, I will say since you know, in the last like couple of matches, I I agree with you. I think we've dominated almost all of them. Like. Yeah. Since the Arsenal win, we have like Forest. We tied them, but in terms of like XG, it was it was very dominant. Uh, that 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 sh- another day. That game's five nil in the first half. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I agree with you. We we've yeah, played. Bournemouth dominated. Newcastle dominated. Palace dominated. Like we're just getting better and better. So yeah, yeah, agree. Um, I. It wouldn't surprise me if we just went to if Leipzig came here and we just kind of took them to shreds and put it away early, like a three nil in the first half or something like that. And yeah, kind of saw the game out. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I agree with your lineup. By the way, I think the only I see the only play I see not being on the field is Maris. I feel like Foden will start. So. Only because Mares hasn't played the last two games at all. Like, did he did he come off the bench against Newcastle? I can't remember. I think so. I don't think it did actually. Let me check. I want to check that really quickly because I don't think he did, and and that's kind of saying something. Yeah, no, he didn't. I think okay, it's so, more about Foden so, just playing so well. Yeah, so look, so Mahrez hasn't played a single minute in either Newcastle or the Palace game, right? So he hasn't, so that means he's got no rhythm at all. So for him, his basically last game was against, uh, did he even play against Bristol? Yeah, he did. He played, he played 70 minutes against Bristol. That was his last game, essentially, his last minutes on the field. So he's basically had two weeks off. And that's surprising. So for him to jump into this game, Without any rhythm, would be very surprising to me. I think Foden starts over Myers, but we'll see. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. I just that and remember Ramadan's coming up, so yeah, that too. That too. Myers is uh, 
Mars is about to be in the form of his life because we all know Mares <laughs> and Blonde Mares are a different beast. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Do, do you think Kevin De Bruyne starts? I think so because. And you think Bernardo it's really drops out? Be, well, Bernardo, I don't think can play for this one because yeah. he's, oh, he's, uh, he's suspended he's on two yellows. Yeah, he's suspended. So oh. it's essentially going to be either De Bruyne or Julian Alvarez. I think it'll be De Bruyne, and also like. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't say. It doesn't say suspended on online, um, which is interesting. I guess we'll see. Well, if not, then it honestly that kind of changes everything because we could see a Bernardo false left back kind of thing. Like we could. Yeah. There's a lot more possibilities. I was operating under the assumption he wasn't playing, but I don't know. Um, I would see De Bruyne coming back. I think he looked sharp for the last 15 minutes he was in. He um, because, you know, in the last couple matches, a lot of it was just, like, misplaced passes. Or, oh, yeah, the bags. Um, or just terrible first touches, stuff like that. And he looked pretty sharp in that today. I mean, he had that really good crossfield pass to Grealish, and just a lot of his first touches and control was, was good today. So that's promising to see. I think we'll see him again. Yeah, okay. All right, well, we'll end it, we'll end it there. I think we've... um. A little bit over the hour that we usually hold in. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a great podcast, Sam. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And also, if you guys want to follow us, we are on Twitter. Um, you can get this podcast wherever you want. But on Twitter, we are at Pep Talk Pod MCFC. You can also email us, um, and it is the Pep Talk Pod mcfc at gmail.com so drop any questions comments anything like that in our email inbox you can tweet at us or um just drop us a nice little five-star review or comment thank you guys thanks everyone thanks for listening that was great